0: You're listening to the Rugby Coaches Corner podcast with your host Andy Plymer.
1: For someone to explain,
0: bringing you up-to-date coaching concepts from the world of rugby, sharing ideas to make the game better. Okay, welcome everyone to episode number twenty-three of the Rugby Coaches Corner podcast. Firstly, apologies for the lateness of this one. Uh, took a couple of weeks off there in American summer, so uh, trying to get back on track now, and probably gonna be uh, aiming to get a bunch more out during the summer rather than uh, once a fortnight. We'll see. Uh, see if we can get them out once a week for a little while. Just a heads up on on this episode. Uh, great chat with uh, Jocelyn Barrio. She's a she's an awesome coach, really hard working coach here in Quebec. Um, doing great things for, for women's rugby here, uh, and girls rugby, uh, especially in the area of sevens. Um, I really enjoyed this chat, it was awesome. Um, we had a few technical issues at the beginning, so you will actually, um, halfway through uh, her introduction, we'll, the interview actually starts. So um, she's, she just started out talking about um, how she got into rugby, uh, that she played basketball and a few other sports uh, beforehand. Uh, until a teacher at her high school then said, "Hey, you'd be uh, you'd be a good fit for rugby," and uh, she jumped right in and has been hooked ever since. Uh, so, really good chat. Hope you enjoy it and uh, see you on the other side.
1: Yeah. So that coach uh, was Sean McDonough, and he was uh, is currently the head coach at RMC. Uh, so I get to see him every once in a while. I still see him now.
0: Champion, It's Kind, guy.
1: Of, kind of nice to have a connection, yeah, to the to the very beginning. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, that was the, that was the start of it. And then as soon as I graduated from high school, I started coaching. I it was just time to give back, and so I did pretty immediately. So I I've now coached for longer than I played. So coached oh. for over fifteen years now. Yeah,
0: yeah, and that's a, that's an envious position too. I think because the amount you the amount you learn from coaching, like I I know personally, like I came out of the game and became a player coach and then i realized i didn't really know a lot about rugby except for my kind of area that i played like i had no mm-hmm. idea in general what the forwards did i just knew they did like stuff know, grunt work and yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that was it but like there was a bit more finesse to it And uh, i think that's a that's a great position to be in starting coaching from i think 18 you said
1: yeah, as soon as I graduated so the year after I graduated high school I went back the next spring and and helped out at the school.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Cool. And then um so you you played uh you played rep rugby from there on in and and had had a little look in with Canada as well.
1: Yeah, so when I was 18, I just I was already playing club at the time and kind of the word went out and so I just gave it a shot and tried it out. It was uh my first year of rep rugby was a lot of I talk about the two years a lot to the young kids that I coach. And the first year, I only rode the bench. I mm-hmm. uh, didn't see any playing time at Scrum Off And um actually started in our bronze medal game in the front row. Uh, <laughs> nice. And I know you can't see me, but I'm quite diminutive. <laughs> uh, I played against BC in the bronze medal game, and we did not do well. Um, and from there, I just decided that I didn't ever want to be in that position again. So yeah. kind of took things... Uh, Took things a little bit more seriously and was always at practice early, working late, asking for help, and working really hard. And had a good year the next year.
0: Yeah, awesome. That's great. All yeah. right. So, um, and now, so you're 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 pretty heavily involved in um, the sevens role now, like being the head coach of Rugby Quebec's women's program. Yes. Um, what 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 attracts you to the game of sevens? What do you what do you really like about it?
1: Uh, the excitement factor and the ability to be able to express yourself, uh, I think a little bit more than in 15s, quite a bit more actually yeah. being able to express yourself and, and the skills that you have and, and do things that are a little bit out of the box sometimes and a little bit flashy. Um, just, just a more open game. And I was someone who was always enjoyed uh, reading the game and making decisions and putting people away into space and all those things. And I, just really enjoy being able to do that with a little bit more space.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, um, Mm. you know, it's just, it's just going gangbusters now as well. (laughs) It's completely taking off, especially after the Vancouver sevens, it's just going to get bigger and bigger here in Canada. And, you know, with, with the Olympics and everything like that. Um, do you find, do you find in the, in the girls you coach now, are they like cognizant of that fact that it's actually like, it's a pretty big deal now?
1: I think that I think that it, they see that it could be a big deal. Um, I still think that they're seeing it just as a fun thing to do for right now. And I think that it, it will become more competitive and the girls will see it um, as a bigger platform and opportunity. And especially when that first wave of girls who's out in Victoria training in that professional environment come back. Yeah. And they actually get to see these people. I mean, those girls haven't been around for five years now. Um, some of them for like three four and five years and when those when those girls come back and people actually see that they're like real people that they can touch and feel and they're they're from here and they're they grew up here and they played here they'll they'll be able to see that and i think that's going to make it even more real
0: yeah that's so key hey for them to have like Mm -hmm. actual human beings that they can say hey they went to kind of the same school as i went and play in the same club as i do or play against and they did it so why can't i
1: yeah, exactly, and it's that'll make a. I think that'll be a big difference when when those girls come back, um, and and start being seen here in the community. We saw, a, I mean, a huge World Cup of fifteens for women's rugby in twenty fourteen, yeah, and when the Canadian women came back, you know, girls were asking to take their pictures with them, and that's something that hasn't really we haven't seen that in women's rugby yet, and so it'll be even bigger when those Olympians come back, and I think it is, it'll just be great for the women's game.
0: Yeah, I think especially in Quebec too like on on the men's front Quebec is quite the minion uh mm-hmm. with, with uh men's rugby uh, both sevens and 15s but but in women's 15s and sevens Quebec's a powerhouse like uh you know sometimes on the uh world rugby circuit half the team or a third of the team are, are Quebecers so so that's got to be a huge advantage too.
1: Yeah, it's pretty it's a pretty cool opportunity and that's a it that was a, a very uh, generation re, they call it a golden generation that we yeah, had yeah um and so our job i think is just to make sure that we make sure we have another generation yeah, keep,
0: or keep the conveyor yeah. belt going absolutely exactly yeah um okay so um what what are some of the things you really especially coaching like u 18 girls what mm-hmm. what are some of the things you really enjoy about coaching um girls especially in sevens
1: um just their level of enthusiasm uh all around i I love to see kids have fun, <laughs> and these yeah. kids have a lot of fun because they're given a lot of space to have fun. I mean, just a quick story from being in Vancouver. Um, it was pouring rain. It was freezing cold. Uh, so it's not the most glamorous location for a seventh tournament, uh, for especially for, for kids. And uh, So we had a pretty rough go, and we were in the locker room at one point, and all they wanted to do was dance put on music, have fun, have a good time. Uh, the weather didn't bother them. They didn't complain about it once. They were filthy. They were freezing. We went out, warmed up every game. They went out, played every game. It was just a really refreshing experience. Yeah, it was really, and I mean, we almost had to tell them to calm down. They were so excited. So, so I mean, that part of it is, I mean, I'm also a school teacher and, and teach in high school. Mm. So, Energy at that age is, is one of the coolest things. I, I like feed off that and mm. and definitely keeps me uh, keeps me on my toes. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. Can you imagine taking an old boys or old girls team on a tour like that and having the similar conditions? Oh. <laughs> I don't think you'd have the same energy.
1: No, no. <laughs> I think if the senior women were uh, would have been would have been in the, in that weather, they might not have responded so positively. No, no,
0: cool. All right. Well, they some of the positive. Or one of the main positive things. What What are some of the challenges you face in your in your coaching environment um, that you're currently in? Um,
1: the funding, the pay to play model, and uh, and the lack of funding for for the athletes is is a tough one. Um, I know. That there has there are kids out there who aren't getting seen and who aren't showing up because they say, "Well, it's gonna just it's just gonna cost too much, so I'm not gonna put myself out there. I'm not even yeah. gonna give myself that opportunity." That's a huge obstacle. I mean, if it was free, there would be a totally different dynamic around the training environment. So that's a big one.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, that pay to play is going to be even more of more of a an issue now that you know with sevens taking off as it is. Um, it's going to hurt the fifteens program too because we're not in a position where we can have just fifteens players and just sevens players. We're, we're we're pulling from the same pool, so That's some true. of these athletes say they, they may pay you know $300, 300 400 bucks for their club dues. Uh, then they they may pay a couple of thousand for their sevens dues for three tournaments or two tournaments or something. Mm-hmm. Then they may pay another you know thousand or two thousand for their for their representative dues as well. So. That's a lot of money to cough up and something's got to give at some stage.
1: Exactly. And, and eventually it, it will become that. I just hope that by the time that we have to or that athletes have to make the choice that we um, as a provincial union or as a country can kind of take some of that burden off or help in some way. And I, I hope that that's coming down the pipe. And with the Olympic funding, that could be possible. So yeah, I'm yeah,
0: absolutely, and I think that was um, just recently. I think the latest uh, senior women's camp was completely funded mm-hmm. as well. So that was a massive step for women's rugby in Canada.
1: Yeah, it's a pretty cool thing, and uh, and hopefully we'll be able to keep it up. And I know the women are super appreciative of it. And I, I mean, as a rep player, I remember one year paying well over ten thousand dollars just for Canada tours. So it's it's come a long way, and. It's it's a really cool thing to see, and a really it was really nice to be yeah. there at the beginning and see how far it's come in less than ten years. In less than ten years, the training environment has really dramatically changed, and it's a really it's a really great thing and a cool thing to have been a part of.
0: Yeah, that's that's unreal when you put that, those terms ten thousand dollars and you heard stories about that with uh, the senior women for that World right. Cup tour. They were paying five figures to represent their country, and that's just that's just madness and you know, hats off to the people who organize that funding model for, for the, this, this World Cup cycle and, you know, let's hope it keeps going.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Okay. So um, what, uh, apart from the pay-to-play model, what, what do you think some of the challenges that rugby faces uh, to attract more, more girls into the game?
1: Um, I think that people are scared of the physicality of it. Mm. I think that as a society, we're not necessarily encouraging girls to express themselves how they want. Uh, we're kind of saying this is how you should be, and this is the model that you should be following and this is what you should be doing at this age. and uh, super physical sport uh, is not usually in those societal norms. so that's a bit of a that's a bit of a tough one. it's a bit of a barrier and even when girls are are on teams, sometimes they have a hard time adjusting to um, just being a teammate and just being able to relax and be yourself and kind of the importance of being different and the importance of being yourself um, with younger girls, especially who are still looking to develop and and figure out where they stand and what they stand for. Um, they sometimes have trouble accepting themselves. So that that's a big challenge, but one that when you get to work with athletes for a few years, you kind of get to see them grow up and get through that and, and continue playing. And that's one of the most rewarding things is to see girls continuing to play sport because all the research that's coming out recently, especially in the wake of international women's day was how little or how few women continue to participate in sport as they get older and they leave school and they kind of let it go. And we know that their rates of depression go down when women participate in sport, and their social connections are so important to their mental health and physical well-being. And so, those those type of things are always challenging, and I'm pretty conscious of trying to make sure that women feel safe and, and girls feel safe and comfortable in, in these environments, so that they keep coming back. Yeah,
0: oh, that's great. And that's that's key. You know, like I think I think uh, being a teacher myself too, and having taught in the co-ed environment. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're all kids, kids, are kids, you know, they're, they're all weird and uncomfortable in their skin, but they, they display it differently. Like boys will right. show it with bravado and, and yeah, you know, trying to be macho and everything like that or well, girls will display it in all, all different ways. And I think coaches have to be super, super, super aware of that and make sure that they're, they're catering for that because it can't be a my way or the highway or you, you're just going right. to turn, turn kids away from the game.
1: Right. And I also coached, I coached the Concordia men's sevens program. Um, It was kind of a, a, an idea that was, that was brought up and I thought, Hey, that's kind of a cool challenge. I I coached boys for one year. I coached a 15s program for one year Mm. and then, uh, and this opportunity came up and also coach them and uh, some of the concepts are the same, but there are some things that are so wonderfully different. And it was really refreshing and it was a new challenge and I really enjoyed doing that as well. So it's a, uh, it's a, it's a great sport because the values of the sport are the most important part, and whatever gender you're coaching just comes afterwards. Yeah.
0: Well, I was, I was going to ask you about that because I saw that on your, you know, the, the, sheet that you put in for before the interview and everything. Um, I was going to ask you like the, the, difference there between. I think you're spot on. Like the, the gender comes after. It. It's the, the sport that's the most important. Um, but what were some of the, the differences and what were some of the similarities from coaching that university men's sevens team to you know the, the, the sevens women's sides that you're coaching now? Uh,
1: I think one of the things that, that kind of su- surprised me or shocked me the most, um, especially in my first year, uh, where I was really learning about the environment and really kind of uh, doing – uh, definitely coaching, but a lot of observing as well, um, was that, uh, that men can physically – get into a bit of a scuffle and deal with things and, uh, and move on. Mm. And it doesn't uh, always necessarily impact the team in a negative way. Yeah. Sometimes it fires people up in the right way. Mm. Um, and that little bit of competition, um, I had to create more opportunities for competition so that it didn't come out in that way.
0: Okay. yeah.
1: Uh, so I just, I just addressed it in, in a different way to create more opportunities for them to compete within the laws of the game so they didn't uh take matters kind of into their own hands during training and uh i really found that men responded well to kind of a, a, a female voice and a different voice and a different perspective um i ask a lot of questions and and challenge athletes in in lots of ways and they seem to really respond well to that uh which i wasn't necessarily expecting i've always kind of seen a top-down model mm. in any of the sessions i've observed or coaching sessions that i've observed so it was kind of nice to see that that they could actually really take care of themselves from the bottom up oh, absolutely yeah
0: yeah great uh, i think it's interesting I've, I've started listening to a new podcast called uh brain in the game sport mm-hmm. mind coaching uh podcast and i'll put it up on the website for listeners to, to have a look at but there was cool. one episode they did uh on it, he the comp, the um the compare discusses um coaching coaching men coaching women and it kind of goes back to your original statement how like the, you know the, the gender part comes at the end the game's the same he, a lot of the research says that the closer they get to the elite level the less this stuff becomes becomes a, a thing you need to consider mm-hmm. as a coach so if you're coaching the national men's side or the national women's side it's you're coaching national athletes national rugby players and all that all that you know the other stuff that you may have to be aware of when they're they're teenagers or developing athletes no like they're 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 elite athletes no matter what the gender uh
1: yeah it's pretty cool um there was just a a little thing that i observed today with uh becky hammond who's uh coaching at the spurs okay yeah and uh Project called Lean In Together, where it's uh, male coaches also encouraging female coaches, mm. and uh, she's the the head coach during the summer league season with the Spurs and the San Antonio Spurs, who are a professional basketball team. And uh, just talking about how Craig uh, Popovich, who's the coach there, kind of opened the door for her, and and to see just the video of her interacting with the with the men at training, it it's it's just a training session. They're athletes and. And they're responding well to a female coach, and that's just because she's a good coach. Yeah. So, uh, yeah.
0: No, it's that's great. I think I'll, yeah. I'll I'll check that out. What is it? Lean in together?
1: Uh, yeah, it's hashtag lean in. I think it's lean in together. Lean okay. in hashtag lean. Yeah.
0: Okay, cool. I'll check it out and I'll, I'll put that up on the website as well for people to look at. Yeah. Okay, so kind of backtracking a little bit. Mm -hmm. Not not everyone's going to jump into coaching elite women rugby straight away. (laughs) A lot of them are going to start, you know, doing doing exactly what you were talking about earlier, coaching a high school team or something like that. Right. Um, What What would be your advice to someone new to coaching girls? uh, Things to do, things not to do. Uh,
1: Be kind. Yeah. Be kind. Um, That would be my number one advice. Um, we often mimic and kind of do what what has been done in the past, and we don't yeah. always know our own. We don't ever always have our own coaching voice when we yeah. start. Yeah. Uh, yeah, And I for think sure. that being being kind and being polite is one of the most underrated coaching things that you could do for a team, and model that behavior. Of being kind so often we're told uh we're bad we're and these are men and women you know as students if you if you fail a test you're bad if you Mm. pass a test you're good if you drop a ball you're bad if you catch a ball you're good you know like we kind of break things down into bad good right wrong Mm. and uh there's enough of those societal pressures based on the players that we kind of inherit and, and get to be with so one of my big things is is to always be kind because we don't know what they're bringing with them every day. And so I always make sure that the first bit of my training session is always based on, on creating a positive environment.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's good. That's good advice. And I think you tap on something that's come up a a bunch in the show. There is like Mm -hmm. often, often we start coaching as we were coached and you most of the times like, you know, not that people were doing it because, uh they were not not good people but just the the, the pedagogy behind it wasn't exactly uh too robust no and for sure we can repeat that and make the same mistakes so yeah that's a, that's really good advice and i think i think that crosses over to to all coaching as well
1: uh, yeah and i mean as a teacher it's something that i use in class as well and uh it's it's just a that just might be a life thing
0: yeah yeah it, okay so if if someone was watching Apart from the kindness aspect, if someone was watching mm-hmm. a session coached by you, what what are some of the things they they'd see and hear? Whether like what you're saying, but how how the lessons, how the structure of the session is laid out, and those kind of things.
1: Um, it would depend if it was like a game prep or a kind of a general skill session. Mm-hmm. Um, there's skills built into, I mean, in a vague sense, there's skills built into all my trainings. I think that's a huge, huge, hugely important. Um aspect of the game mm. that uh, as canadians since we don't grow up with a rugby ball on our hands we get to make sure they get some extra reps in yeah uh, in those in those areas so um definitely individual skills when they get there try to get them into I try to teach the basic skills so that when they arrive players and athletes can just start doing them right away um players when they arrive love to be social and they get excited and love to talk so i try to get them to Talk and pass. That's a big thing that I say at the beginning of every training. Mm. It's okay to talk, but just talk and pass. Or yeah, that's great. talk and kick or just talk and do something else um, to get the reps in. Um, and then we'll usually break um, and play a game for a warm-up. Um, I usually let athletes lead their own. If they want to do a physical warm-up, I usually let athletes lead that on their own. Yeah, uh, Pick a leader and then help that leader. Um, if they're senior women, they kind of go off and have their own routines and if they're juniors, um, then we usually work on working on a routine with a captain and kind of coaching a captain to coaching a leader to be a leader and so they can take care of that stuff and we break up um, and pl- again play games I always like to get a few games in um, have yeah, fun sometimes that. jump That's in right. yeah sometimes jump in with them and just run around and have a good time and have a few laughs and do some. Fun stuff. Uh, and then we'll kind of break, uh, whether it's uh, like I said, uh, prep stuff, we'll do some unit stuff, um, unit stuff, come back together, play other little games, get back together. I do a lot of, uh, I just call it accordion. Okay. So uh, here's the instruction go out, come back in, give you some more instruction or some pointers or some things to focus on, go out, come back in, go out, come back in. So a lot of the sessions look like that.
0: Yeah, um, that's that's uh, pretty efficient, especially if you got a large group.
1: Yeah. And uh, yeah, I say express yourself a lot. Uh, just express yourselves and try stuff. The, the training environment to me is a super safe environment, mm. so I just love to see them express themselves and try things and do things um, that'll make themselves better and get them out of their comfort zones a little bit.
0: Yeah, and I think um, that last point there too. Um, one of our uh, one of the previous guests, Stuart Armstrong, um, talking about. Um, you know, player pathways and academies and those kind of things. It's about creating that environment where it's, it's safe to, to make a mistake. It's okay. Right. Like, that's kind of why you're doing it to, to get better and you can't get better without making mistakes. Uh, right. I think that's absolutely key.
1: Yeah. It's a, it, that's a big one for me. And I actually found that when I was coaching the men's team, that they had a harder time accepting that mm. than the women, the women were tended to be more, willing to kind of make mistakes and mess up than the guys were, which is interesting to me.
0: Yeah, I think uh, that, that is interesting. I think that age group too maybe of, yeah. the, of the men being that, you know, early 20s um, university student, there's, mm-hmm. there's, you know, the, the own, ch- own set of challenges there as a coach uh, for sure. Right. That's great. All right. Um, all right. So, so in, yeah. in general, with rugby in general, what's, what's your favorite part of the game to coach?
1: uh open play decision making.
0: Okay. Yeah. Why why that? So on
1: the fly stuff mm-hmm. because I think that has the most potential for uh excitement. Yeah. And often uh often Quebec is um is pegged as uh, an underdog in the in this in this well, definitely in this country. Yeah. So um those are kind of the moments where underdogs I think can have the most impact is is kind of some of that open play decision making uh that kind of flair and feeling safe to take those risks and to do those things so i yeah. Uh, yeah doing that kind of stuff on the run is is some pretty exciting stuff and yeah that that's probably my favorite
0: cool and how how would you how would you coach that in a in a session how would you encourage that obviously being games based oh, I would just have, with that
1: yeah exactly <laughs> exactly uh, games based just uh, changing the size of the field that they're making decisions on um, changing the shape of the defense um changing attack points, changing the challenge, changing the pressure, um, just giving them all kinds of different situations, opportunities, and spaces to, to to express themselves and really see, you know, what is within their limits and and what is outside of their limits and what they can go get outside of their limits as well.
0: Yeah. Okay. Awesome. All right. Well, um, <laughs> we always end the show with the, the same final four questions. Yeah. Um, when you were growing up as a kid, um, new to rugby, those kind of things, who, who was one of the players that you really looked up to and admired and kind of got you really interested in the game and wanted to continue playing it?
1: Uh, well, Jillian Florence is is my automatic pick. As a kid, she was really um, at the top of the game. Jillian Florence has gone now to five World Cups.
0: Yeah, it's is amazing.
1: Now, uh, is now retired. Yeah, so... To have been able to play with her um, as I as I got older and started playing some Quebec provincial rep stuff and and get to have some of those experiences with this person who was on the all world team. Yeah, um, was it was a pretty was a pretty cool thing. I, yeah, and so Jillian Florence for sure being from Quebec as well and yeah. representing Canada so consistently for most, so long. It most just,
0: capped uh, women's player for Canada is that correct?
1: She is right now. She's still at number one. I don't and i i hope someone catches her but i also hope that uh that she no one catches her around.
0: yeah absolutely yeah. Uh, she's great and she's uh yeah definitely i think you, you wouldn't be the only uh rugby player to, to to say that that she's someone that they look up to yeah awesome yeah. what about now who are some of the the players going around that yeah you, you like watching and like seeing what they do on the field
1: well i'm uh definitely biased uh, and i'm going to go with a with a home a home, home uh Hometown heroes, and I, I'd probably go with the, the girls that are out at Langford right now are doing some pretty amazing things, and uh, Jen Kish, mm. Ashley Stacey, uh, Karen Paquin, who has come so far from when she left here, um, Magalie Harvey, who's blowing up the world. Yeah, um, yeah and, if, and people the names,
0: world, if people don't know these names, if people don't know these names, they're they not watching rugby. They need to, they need to check these people no. out because they're doing uh, unreal things. Yeah, that's yeah. right. I, I think mean, that, just
1: like, land landry. Yeah,
0: yeah, like there, think, there, that,
1: that group of girls. Is, ooh, sorry. Yeah,
0: it's pretty amazing that um there was that one um clip going around about Jen Kish catching the kickoff and then just completely annihilating the opposition and scoring under the post. It was just epic display of skills
1: it was and i actually got a chance to uh, to be out there uh for a couple of days in between tournaments yeah. and spend some time with the team and just kind of shadow them and see just what they're up to these days and um i'll give a big shout out to uh to kelly russell for for helping kish make that catch and uh and all the, the hard work the the unsung hero that is kelly russell yeah um uh, the good she's always way. there always there for that stuff and always yeah always there for that, for uh for that in that supporting role it's just really really grown into quite an accomplished uh quite an accomplished rugby Blair when since when we first used to uh face off against each other
0: all right all right awesome man and what about coaches who uh who's a who's a high high profile coach going around that you you really like what they're doing
1: um there's two that come to mind Francois ratier um i think is a pretty phenomenal uh pretty phenomenal guy for a lot of reasons yeah and his uh, yeah his uh just he just wants players to be themselves, and I, I've taken, I've kind of taken a, a page from his book in that sense, and, and letting people express themselves that way, and, and providing structure and providing that environment where you come to a training and really appreciate the people that are there, and take the time to to let them know that they're being seen. It's a big one. And uh, Guillermo, uh, I know that I'm not pronouncing it in, in a proper Argentinian um, accent, but uh, Guillermo Guiri. Guy. I know Guillermo.
0: Um, um, Yes,
1: I don't know how to pronounce his last name properly, and I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm almost embarrassed. Um, but uh, I went to a presentation that he gave years ago at RMC, and he was talking about Argentina and their World Cup success that they had mm. in, uh, in 2000. And what did they, were they in the final? In 2007 in France, in the, in the third place game?
0: Yeah. yeah. France? Yeah.
1: Um and uh he was just showing this clip and he was talking about things so uh so matter of factly and he just he just watched this clip and we we were in a big hall and watching this clip and he said, I'm just gonna pause it at this moment and you're looking around and it's the team in the locker room and you're kind of trying to pick up on what he is trying to point out and on the on a board in the middle of the room is just one word in the middle of a circle and all these other words have branched off for it and and it's just uh amor it's just love yeah it all and and it made me realize that there's a real place for for love in the game and uh love of your teammates and love for the sport and love for the opportunity that you have to be able to do the sport and it was just a it was a big moment and uh ever since i've always i've always enjoyed having a a bit of a chat with Guillermo about different
0: different aspects of the game yeah for sure and i think that's a classic clash of cultures there like a north american or an australian culture it'd be you no know, it's like let's be technical and let's analyze the game and let's look where we can win and lose and you know someone like guillermo uh, coming from argentina or francois coming from france
1: mm-hmm.
0: um com- completely different outlook on life in general so that influences the, the coaching too I think that's great. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Francois is going to be coming on the show soon too. And uh, oh, cool! Yeah, yeah. So I'll get him on. We're just trying to get the schedules right. And uh, Yamo's got some great stuff on uh, scrummaging and, and mauling. So I'd love to have him on the show too and get him talking about how he gets teams to scrummage barefoot uphill um, mm-hmm. and uh, what the philosophy is there. He does some pretty pretty cool stuff. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, two good two good people there for sure. Yeah. And what about what about um? Last question, the, someone, someone who's kind of chipping away in the, in the trenches, doing, doing good development work for their athletes that needs a shout-out. Um, uh,
1: definitely Andy Smith. She's uh, working in the Lenoxville region.
0: Okay, great. She's, uh,
1: yeah, she's uh, been kind of an assistant slash apprentice coach in a couple of little things I've done recently. She's coaching a CGEP team, coaching a high school team. She's super involved, and there's some some great athletes coming out of that area. And um, Bianca della Porta is another young uh, female coach who's um, doing some good stuff. She's uh, done her teaching degree now at Leo and is starting to get involved in coaching um, at the high school level here. So um, I'm pretty sure she's at John Rennie High School this year, which is a local high school here. Mm -hmm. So looking forward to seeing uh, her career and what's going on, uh, what's going to be going on for her in the next little while.
0: Fantastic. I actually sat next to her at the scheduling meeting on Wednesday. Uh, oh. <laughs> and she's uh she was writing down notes and uh asking lots of questions to everyone. So she's she's obviously really keen and really excited. So that's that's part of it. that's that's the first step, right? Like just yeah. actually like wanting to do it and being really engaged in it. So yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Perfect. All right. Well, um yeah, it's been great having you on the show. Um been awesome uh chatting to you about all things uh, Quebec rugby and women's rugby, <laughs> and um, you know I've got a seat at the table with two daughters. Um, got a potential scrum half who's five and a half, no, and that's, a, good. that's good. a three and a half year old who's definitely going to be uh, uh, probably a six. I reckon she shows ah. the aggression required for a six. So <laughs> uh, we've got a couple coming your way, but uh, might be a few years off. But they're they're, they're both going to be in mini rugby this summer. So. Um, you know, I love what you're doing with, uh, with, with the girls in Quebec and you know, you're know you helping them develop not only skills but just to be you know, good humans and, and <laughs> have a good outlook on life and everything. So, yeah, thanks for all the work you do and thanks for giving up your time to come on the show.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Awesome. Okay, Joss. We'll see you later. Candy. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Rugby Coaches Corner Podcast. enjoyed the show please leave a review via iTunes and keep listening for the next episode you can also follow us on Twitter at rugbycoachscnr or via the website at therugbycoachescorner.com until next time keep sharing ideas to make the game better